0: I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus' name. We're in Psalm 135. It starts, praise the Lord. That is, it is, it is, it means to praise God. And why not? That's a good way to start a psalm, isn't it? Praise the Lord. In fact, it is a great way to start a psalm, a is praising God, seeking God out, saying, hello, God, I know you're here because I'm here. And if, if if you weren't there, I would not be here. He says, praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, remember, every time you read the word name of the Lord or even name itself, you think character. And, and it used to be names, Meant things used to be well. A lot of times, it used to be that names meant something about the person. And my favorite illustration, really, is not a biblical illustration, but it it is an illustration about uh, what names meant in the Old Testament. It's a modern movie, "Dances with Wolves." Do y'all know what I'm talking about? Where the Indians saw the uh, cavalry officer out in the Great Plains, and and their first real one of their main first encounters with him was, was him trying to. Get this wolf that uh, had been around his camp for, for months and had been eating from his hand. Get this wolf to uh, to uh, let him touch him, let him get close to him. And they were uh, dancing around out there on the plains. And, and the Indians called, man, they called him what they saw or what they knew of who he was. This dude dances with wolves. So we're going to call him Dances with Wolves. Makes Makes perfect sense, doesn't it? That's what names meant in the Old Testament. They were word pictures, really. In fact, the Hebrew and the Greek are far more uh, a word picture a languages, there, meaning the words actually have pictorial or some kind of physical representation that you can, when you when you know those languages, you kind of know that those pic, those words mean certain pictorial things that you see in the world around you. They're drawn from the environment we live in. Like, <clears throat> my name Chad means, it just means Chad. Uh, it doesn't have, really have a word picture to it. It doesn't really mean anything. And uh, a lot of names that we have nowadays don't mean anything. But each name that God has, and He has hundreds. Each name that God has in the Bible, each way God is described in the Bible, describes a certain aspect of his character. And so when we praise God, we don't praise an undefined being. We don't praise someone who's out there and just, oh, we don't even know who you are. We do know who he is, and we have names for him that represent the aspects of his character that He's revealed to us. In fact, sometimes God says, call me this. And the reason he says, call me this, is because what he's saying, call me this, is a defining trait of his character that he wants us to know. Like when Moses was up on the mountaintop, he says, I don't even know who your name is. I don't even know t- who to tell the children of Israel sent me. And he, he says, and and obviously Moses wouldn't have known that real well because he grew up in Pharaoh's house. He didn't grow up knowing God the way we did now. Miriam, his mother probably did teach him about God, but once he got up to be an older teenager, he he started being trained to be an Egyptian general, an Egyptian part of the royal household. And so he would, have, he would have not known God the way the normal Israelite would have known God, normal Jewish person in captivity would have known God. He, he just wouldn't have known him like that. But when he got up to the top of the mountain, he said, who shall I tell them sent me? And God he said, I'm going to give you a name for myself that defines the situation that we're in. I'm going to tell you that I am sent you. And I am means I was, I am, I ever shall be. And so what that meant was God was telling him, tell them the eternal God sent you the God who lives outside of time. That's a great name, isn't it? Because they had been in Egypt for uh, 400 years, and they'd been in captivity for a long time, and they thought that God didn't exist. And he says, I'm the God that lives beyond time. Great name, great name. So he says, praise the name of the Lord. Praise him, O you servants of the Lord. Who's supposed to praise him? We are. The servants of God are supposed to praise him. Not other people. They're not going to praise him. They don't know him. Was Moses going to praise God before he went up on that mountain? No, he didn't know God. He couldn't praise him before he went up on that mountain. He didn't really know who he was. But once he met with him and got a name from him and, and got a realization of who his character and nature was, boy, he praised him. He says, "He says, you who stand in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God, uh, well, who's supposed to praise him? First of all, his servants are supposed to praise him. But Notice his servants, he defines it even more. Those who stand in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of God, those who meet with God. Now, I don't you listen to me? Just because you're God, just because you're born again, just because you, you're you being saved by the blood of the Lamb, the whole nine yards, does not mean that you're naturally your natural instincts are to praise God. It doesn't mean that. You still live with your own sin nature. You still struggle with your own flesh. You still want to You still want to be in charge. You still want to run things. Am I right? Yes, I am right. You are. Whenever anything happens, first thing you think of is yourself. Second thing you think of is maybe some loved ones around you. And third thing you think of is, how can I make this thing work out for my best interest and the ones I want it to work out for? Everybody who does that, hand. If you're driving, don't raise your hand. But if you do that, raise your hand. That's who we are. We like to do it our own self, our own way. We, we we want to be in charge. And let me tell you something. Just because you're one of God's people doesn't mean that you're praising the Lord. doesn't mean that you're actually meeting with God. You, you have to put yourself in a position to see God move and act and at work. And the way you do that is you come together to worship God. It's hard to do it by yourself. It's hard to do it alone. And in fact, God quite clearly in his scripture says he wants us to be together. And he wants to be those who come together, uh, who worship in the house of the Lord, those who are in the courts of the house of our God. Those are the ones who are going to praise the Lord. It's hard to do it if you're out there on your own battling the enemy on your own. Uh, He says, praise the Lord for the Lord is Good. Sometimes it's hard to realize some of the things that I'm dealing with and that I'm struggling with were sent by God. I was—I can't even remember what I was watching. I think I was watching a video clip or or something like. Oh, I know what I was watching. I was watching Band of Brothers, my favorite of any cinematic piece of anything that there ever has been by, by far. Band of Brothers. If you said Chad, you're going to go to a desert island, you get to take uh, a book. I take the Bible. You say Chad, you're going to a desert island. You get to take one movie, play, uh, musical, anything like that. You get to take it with you. I take Band of Brothers. I mean... It's not, even like a, it's not even like a question. You just ask the question, I go, Band of Brothers. That, that's what I take with me because I, I love it. I don't know why. I, it's just me. That may define part of who I am. I, I don't know. Might even have some kind of name. If you were an Indian watching me watch Band of Brothers, you might come up with some kind of name. Sit at and watch Band of Brothers or something. I don't know. But, but I was watching it, and one of the nurses in the scenes at Bastogne says, god wouldn't give me that that terrible a gift and she had the gift of being able to while people were dying and, and struggling she had the gift of the touch to, to 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 make them calm and give them hope and give them uh, purpose she said god wouldn't give me such a terrible gift you know what that 's what we always think God would only give me the things that I really and I, and I really he think that we think that when we 're with god it 's like a giant birthday party, and he 's always given me the best things that I could ever think of or come up with, and i didn 't even have to tell him about it. That is not life, and it 's never been life, and it 's not life that 's pictured anywhere in scripture and it 's not life that 's even remotely in, in the Word of God. And when the Christian church is designed such that we make people think that's what Christianity is about, that it's about uh, us never having any trouble, never having any sorrows, never having any difficulty. We just come to the church and we have a great praise session and everything's gonna work out fine. Everything's gonna be perfect and great. And if you have troubles and difficulties where you just don't have enough faith, that's the lie of the, the Word of Faith movement. It, it, it's not we, David, the same writers in the book of Psalms says, he says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. That means I'm going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. In fact, the valley of the shadow of death is the world we live in. Is death's all around us, is it not? And if it's not really actually all around us, it, they'll tell you that on TV all the time. The first, If it bleeds, it leads, am I right? That's the way the, uh, the news media is. And if it bleeds and leads to their their the way they see things, Heck, let's just put it on there for four days and not talk about anything else but that. That's just, that's the world we live in, the valley of the shadow of death. And that's not the issue. The issue is not where we live. The issue is who we serve. And who we serve is God. And he says, praise the Lord. The Lord is good. Doesn't mean mean that everything's going to be perfect. What that means is that his goodness and his grace and his purposes are going to be made known to us. Sing praise to his name for it is pleasant. That's another one of those words. It's almost really positive. And then you think, is that really what I want? I want pleasant. You know what? The older you get in life, sometimes really that's what you want is pleasant. You want an enjoyable, pleasant time. It doesn't have to stimulate all my senses and make me just think, just to have everything that I ever wanted to happen in the middle of it. Sometimes it's Sometimes it's really nice. Uh, when Kathleen and I are together, and we we cook a, a meal after work, and it's about five forty-five, and uh, we sit down at the uh, counter over here behind me, and and we we talk about our day, and we talk about the things that are going on around us, and and we just have a nice, pleasant meal. That's wonderful. Sometimes that's just wonderful. That's that's what you like. That's, that's the best. That's the best there is. Sometimes that's just the best there is. And you know what? The best there is good and pleasing and pleasant. Living in the rat race of this world and chasing after the things that this world would have you chase after is not pleasant and it's not pleasing. and It's not good, not wonderful. It is. It's just struggle. And meeting with God is pleasant. Meeting with God's people is hopeful and pleasant. Praise the Lord for the Lord is good. Sing praise to his name for it is pleasant for the Lord has chosen Jacob for himself. Now he's talking to the Jews here and he's saying, listen, God chose Jacob. Jacob was the father of 12 tribes of Israel. And what he's saying is God chose Jacob for himself. It's wonderful to know that God chose me. I know that there's some kind of crazy movement and praise God, I've been out of it the baptist church for a long time they're fighting when i was young they fought over music i think they still are now that now that i'm older they're fighting over calvinism and arminianism and all the kind of isms that they can fight over i, I don't really care i'm not any of those things i'm not a i'm not a systematic theology guy what i am is a, i'm a my a, a bible if if a passage in the bible is calvinistic then i believe it If a passage get pastor if a passage in the bible is arminian I believe I, I, I try to make I try to uh, allow the Holy Spirit in my heart, my mind to teach me how all of His Word of God works together because it all does work together. It's perfect. It's it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's infallible, and so I just I just do what God tells me to do from His Word, and and I don't get all I don't get all caught up in 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 these arguments and fights that really have no purpose or meaning for the individual life and the individual power that's at work in God's people and leading God's people. So if you said, Chad, well, you sound like a Calvinist. I probably read, if if you read Psalm 135, 4, he says, for the Lord has chosen Jacob for himself. If that's Calvinistic, well, I'm just reading what he said, okay? If I get to a passage and it's Armenian, I just read what it says. Don't get in a fight about it. Yeah, does it work together with the Armenian passages? It does. If you're sold out to a systematic theology, it can mess your head up. It sure can. But uh, if you're not sold out to systematic th- theology, God, these things work together in my head. They work together real well, and they need to be thought about. God chose, thankfully chose us, because if He hadn't chosen chose me, I probably wouldn't have come. Just be honest with you, I know the depravity of my heart. I know the evil that's inside of me. And I, I know the struggle with it. If you don't know the struggle with it, that just means you ain't never opened your eyes to see the struggle that's real in there. And I know who I am. And I know that if it hadn't been for God, I'd have gone my own way. And I'm thankful and I want to praise the Lord for He chose me to Himself. What a what a wonderful thing he did. Because if he hadn't chosen me, I sure wouldn't have chose him. We love him. Re- remember, we love him. Why? Because he first loved us. It, not, I, it, I didn't love him, and he decided to love me later. He, he loved me way before I, I knew anything about him. He says, um, he says he chose Israel for his special treasure. For I know that the Lord is great, and our Lord is above all gods. Notice, he's sovereign, and he's great, and he's above all little g gods. He's above all the things we place as our own gods. He says, whatever the Lord Lord pleases, he does in heaven and in earth. Notice, he has the right to act according to his sovereign will on anything and in every situation, according to his character and nature. Not according to my will. Trust me, you want God doing that. We do. We want God doing that. We want him acting according to his sovereign will and nature. Why? Because he's good and we're not. And if he's acting according to his sovereign will and nature, then we're getting the best we could possibly get because we're getting the best from the best. He says, whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven, and on earth, in the sea, in all the deep places. Notice he's at work everywhere, not just where I'm at. He's at work everywhere. And I praise God for that. He causes the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. He makes lightning for the truth. Notice he causes rain to come. He causes lightning uh, for the rain. He brings the wind out of his treasuries. Winds always a picture of the Holy Spirit. So he brings the Holy Spirit out of his his riches and abundance. He destroys the firstborn of Egypt. Notice he did that. He did that, and and that's part of his character in nature. He destroyed the firstborn of the world, he did, and Egypt's picture of the world. And he said, I've got the power to decide who and what and how and where things happen. And there's aspects of God and what he's done that I don't always totally get in my mind, but I don't immediately cast that aside because it doesn't fit in the way I want God to be. I've got to add that to my understanding of him. And just because there's a passage of Scripture that I don't necessarily understand how it works in the way I see God, I need to see God in that way because he's presenting himself that way to me. And even though you said you say, I don't like that he sent the death angel to kill the firstborn of Egypt, it doesn't matter what I like. And, and what matters is, is who God is, and I need to know him in his fullness. And there's an aspect of that that I need to understand. I'm pray I'm grateful that he's slowly trying to kill the, the evil flesh that's in. Maybe I need him to put to death those things that were first found in me that were sinful. And you know what you say? You are already have that handled. You're 48 years old. Crazy thing is I don't. And I need him. I need him to be a destroyer of death and sin. I need him to be that. If he's not, then I'm lost. I'm hopeless. He says, both the man, both the man and beast Notice he said both the humanity and the spiritual, the demonic. Beast is always, whenever you read beast, always think of the demonic, the power of evil. He notice he destroyed both the, both the uh, man and the beast. He, he, I need him to put away my old man so I can take on the new life that he's given me. I need him to destroy the demonic power that's at work in my heart so he can bring about his very best. He sent signs and wonders into the midst of of you, O Egypt. Notice, he he first let them know that he was God. He didn't just do it out of vengeance and hate. He did it with a purpose. He let them know that he was God and that they should turn toward him, upon Pharaoh and all his servants. He said, he defeated many nations and slew many mighty kings. Notice, he's in the business of taking what it is. He's in the business of setting things right. He said, Sihon, king of the Amorites. These are the nations around Israel and actually in Canaan that he destroyed. He said, Sihon, king of the Amorites, Og, king of of, of Bashan, and all the kingdoms of Canaan and gave their land as an, as a heritage to Israel, his people. Notice, God had a purpose and a meaning for everything that was going on. And he had a purpose and a meaning for the struggle that was taking place. And it had great significance for those in that time. And it has great significance for you. He's at work destroying the old man. He's at work destroying the demonic powers that have been in your life, the familiar spirits of your past, the things that have been passed on by by in your heritage. He's... He's, boy, he's not letting them, um, he's not letting them hang on. Your name, O Lord, endures forever. Notice, God is sovereign. He is timeless. He's eternal. He endures forever. His character endures forever. My character has to change. His character does not change. He endures forever. I change to be like him. He says, your fame, O Lord, throughout all generations, everyone He's, he's making himself known to every generation, he hears of him and knows of his name. For the Lord will judge his people, and he will have compassion on his servants. Notice, he's going to judge us. He's going he's to search us. He's going to change us. He's going to fix us. He's going to destroy the old man. He's going to destroy the sins passed down from generations past. He's going to destroy the powers of darkness that try to maintain control over us. And he is going to ultimately have compassion on us. Notice, he is having compassion on us by getting rid of those things that are so destructive in our lives. And boy, we don't want to talk about that, do we? Wow, we don't. Wow, look at behold, we don't want to to see that. Um, He is at work destroying um, the old man. He's at work. Destroying the sins that are passed on from generations past. He's at work destroying all the time. He's at work all the time destroying the powers and the bondages of darkness that have have been in our families and in our past for generations. He's at work doing those things. And he's at work doing those things in wonderful and mighty ways. And it is a struggle and it's a difficulty because he's extracting the true, who he made us to be, the godly people that he made us to be. He's extracting that from this body of death. He's distracting that from this past of pain. He's distracting that from this generational darkness that we bring to the table, each and every one of us. He is extracting all that out so that we could have his, because we could have his pleasant and pleasing and perfect will. That's what he's doing. Wow. It's a hard thing to do. Boy, only God can do it because I sure can't do it. I can't even really uh, come to terms with who I really am. How could I ever fix me? I can't really even come to terms with me. So how would I ever do that? He says, notice, he says the things that, that, the things that control us. He says, the idols of the nation are silver and gold. They seem really precious and good. They seem desirable in the world. He said, the works of men's hands, we made them. We're the ones who allowed this to happen. And we did all the way back to the Garden of Eden. He says, they have mouths, but they do not speak. They seem pleasing, but, they, but they, you can't have a relationship. They have eyes, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear, nor is there any breath in their mouth. Notice there's no no spirit of God present in them. There's no power of God present in them. Those who make them are like them. So is everyone who trusts in them. Notice when you make an idol for yourself, you become like that idol and you become blind. You become um, uh, speechless, dumb. You become deaf. You cannot hear and and you do not have life in you when you start chasing after the things and the idols of this world, either the things that you've made of yourself or the things that have been passed on to you from generations past. And he says, those who make them are like them, and whoever it is uh, that trusts in them uh, will be like them. Let me say, boy, um, I have idols in my life that I've made for myself, and I have idols that have been passed down to me, and they all are due to be slaughtered. They're all due to be destroyed because, because the truth is that only God and only God himself is the true God, the true source of hope, the true source of, of life. And if you don't have him, you don't have anything at all. And the things that you do have are blind, dumb, uh, deaf and, and have no hope for you. He says, Bless the Lord, O house of Israel. Notice, we're in the house of Israel being grafted in. We're that wild find that's been grafted in. Uh, bless the Lord, O house of Israel. Bless the Lord, O house of Aaron. Aaron's the first in the line of the chief of the priest. And, and bless the Lord, O house of Levi. They come from the Aaron is it was the first chief priest of the house of Levi. And and who are we? Who is the house? Of, who are the who is our new high priest? Jesus is the great high priest. And we're royal priesthood underneath him. That's what Revelation says three times. Has he not made them uh, a kingdom of priests before him? You who fear the Lord. Bless the Lord. Notice you who have your eyes open and realize how immense he is and how nothing you are and how much you need him for you to be anything like him. You must have him. When you have that understanding of God, the fear of the Lord, he says, bless the Lord. When you realize that is true. When you realize all the things that we've been talking about recently, is true. He says, bless the Lord out of Zion. Bless the Lord out of his kingdom. And his kingdom is no longer out somewhere where we can find and look for it. Remember, his kingdom is now in our hearts he says you can't see it with careful observation because it is in you he says bless the lord those who fear the lord bless the lord bless the lord out of zion he um who, who dwells in jerusalem praise the lord or hallelujah that was a great journey this morning uh a, a, a fun and fantastic journey this morning um and i'm excited about it i i am uh hopeful and encouraged after reading this it's also sometimes very difficult to go through the whole journey of realizing how sinful we are and how utterly depraved we are but when i get to the end of that which is the end of myself i always find god right there because at the end of yourself there is god and uh he is always at work giving me hope and life redemption from the chaos that is me and uh, giving me giving me purpose and meaning And I pray that'll be the case for you. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.